non-binary persons, ladies and gentlemen, Ed, Danny, and Mike. The audio presentation you're about to enjoy discusses casino gambling. Please do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose or need to pay bills. The past performances of our host and his guests are not indicative of anyone's future results. If you feel you may have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com and we will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything our host shares during this podcast is based on factual events. Names and dates may be altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man, your enigmatic host of our Casino Combat Podcast. This is episode 78, recorded live without a studio audience from Parts Unknown, as always. I'll get to the battle plan for the episode in just a minute, but I have the best of news first. As we look at what is going on in the Casino Combat Galaxy this week, and here is what is going on, we have a new Inner Circle member. It is my pleasure to welcome Equine Ensign, who is ninth to the ring. A welcome addition to our squad and to the Inner Circle. I'm just getting to know Equine Ensign, or E-squared, as I probably will call him from time to time. Uh, He's a school teacher like Mrs. TRG. He coaches basketball. And the most amazing of things to me, he owns a racehorse, an actual racehorse. I mean, how fun is that? That's got to be an incredibly neat thing to do. I know, personally me, I know just enough about horse racing and betting on horse racing to know that I'm clueless about betting on horse racing. I am very much at the pick a name, pick a color, throw out two bucks stage of wagering on horse racing. It is wonderful to have a horse race owner as a member of the inner circle of Casino Combat. I'm looking forward to learning more about horse racing from Equine Ensign. Little bit of housekeeping here. That's nine members of the inner circle, everyone. When I announced the game, I said I was looking for ten members of the inner circle. I'll be honest, I'm not sure what happens after we find our tenth member. My instinct at this point, just kind of speaking off the cuff, but my instinct at this point is to honor what I said at the beginning and limit membership to 10 members and then to create a new or additional distinction for others who manage to figure out where my home casino is in the real world once we get that 10th member. So we'll do something different, I think. Probably, I think we'll do something different when we get member 11, assuming we get members 10 and 11. Who knows? Maybe we won't. If you're new to all this, if you are listening for the first time and wondering what the inner circle is and how that all works, it is fully explained in episode 22. It is a game that has been hidden in the podcast since episode 1. In addition, if you've thought about playing the game, if you've been listening for a while and didn't really dig into it yet, if you thought about playing, the last spot is up for grabs. If you want to be part of the inner circle of Casino Combat, now is the time to do that and get that done and figure things out. If someone in Australia can figure out where my home casino is in North America, then anyone or everyone certainly can figure that out. Okay, let's lay out the battle plan for the episode. Let me do that for you now. It's going to be just a bit different, I guess. I'm going to do a travel segment and share our experiences and impressions of our time in Las Vegas last week for New Year's Eve. I'm going to do that that as a travel segment, not as a results segment. 
We were supposed to have a moment of casino wisdom last episode and discuss a new and very important casino wisdom, and that didn't happen due to technical problems. So we will do that this week as well and have a moment of casino wisdom and cover what we missed last week, make up for that mistake. Our trip to Las Vegas was both the end of the week and the end of the month, so I'm going to combine all of that together and do a results segment and share all of those results with you and focus just specifically on the results for the month. And finally, and finally, Virginia casino player Doug was in Philly for the holidays and found some time to do a casino visit. He's going to join me in the virtual VIP lounge and we're going to talk about how that visit went for him and I have to tell you he did something not a lot of people can do he did something that is a very very advanced gambling skill under extreme circumstances he applied the core concepts of casino combat perfectly and that's why I wanted to have him on it's really impressive and we're going to hear about it to finish up the episode now I know from feedback that some of you prefer teaches over stories and that some of you enjoy stories more than teaches if this goes the way I expect it to this segment will be both a teach and and a story from VCPD's point of view. There we go. That's the battle plan. The travel segment is next. I have so much to share with you about New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. I wanted to separate travel and results this week so I could share our Las Vegas trip details and observations without worrying about the gambling results until I do the summary of the month of December 2021 later in the episode. Let me start with a few of the basics. Right now, in terms of getting to and from the airport in Las Vegas, I remain convinced that unless the goal is the cheapest transportation possible, a town car from Presidential Limo, yeah, I guess that's a free commercial, but a town car from Presidential Limo is the way to go. We paid just a bit more than I spent on cabs to and from the airport in October and saved money on liquor and wine by making a stop at a liquor store on the way to the hotel. Fun and easy are great ways to start a Las Vegas trip. So that's how we did it this time. Done that several times this past year, and I, I really, really like and I really, really recommend it to people. We stayed at Mandalay Bay. We were fully comped, and they gave us two-thirds of a day's pay in free slot play and one-third of a day's pay as a resort credit. In total, over four days pay in comps before we even left the hotel room. Now, an interesting, I've never had free play in, in this kind of dollar amounts at an MGM property in Las Vegas. And they have an interesting restriction on the free slot play. And I haven't come across that before. And it's that the free slot play could not be used on machines that offered a progressive jackpot. I mean, I guess that's the house protecting itself a little bit on the free play. And it makes sense. But I joked when uh, when the girl at the, the cage told me about this, I said, what? So you have three machines in the whole building that don't have progressive jackpot? And she laughed. She understood I was just kind of making a joke, not complaining. I did find that, like, Buffalo Gold, for instance, doesn't have progressives. I found several other machines that didn't have progressives and, and was able to use the free slot play that way. What remains amazing to me about Las Vegas, and maybe that's because I've seen it multiple times this year, but what amazes me is how quickly it changes and adapts. In October, when I was there, Table limits on blackjack and craps were much higher than I had seen basically ever. Certainly higher than the previous visit just a few months prior. Full-sized electronic LCD-based craps tables were everywhere, replacing standard craps tables. And free bet blackjack had replaced a lot of low-end blackjack tables. On this trip, the electronic craps tables had mostly disappeared. And the table limits for craps players had returned to more normal levels. $15 and $25 tables were very, very common where they weren't just a few months ago. So it appears to me, and this is purely hypothesis, but it appears to me that craps players voted with their money and the new games 
and the new levels of wagering were just not popular enough to justify keeping things set up that way, and it reverted to a more normal situation. It did, however, remain difficult to find a fair game of blackjack on the strip for less than $50. Often you would need to go into a high-limit room and play at $100 per hand to get a fair game. However, free bet blackjack must not have been particularly popular because those machines were also a lot more rare, almost back once again to where things were before before the pandemic, where things were six months ago. But they didn't replace those with regular blackjack. They replaced them with a lot of carnival games. We saw a lot of new carnival games, including one called Keep It Straight. Don't understand it. Didn't look. Knew it wasn't going to be a game I was going to be interested in because the house advantage was going to be too high. The one good piece of news out of the limited blackjack tables and limited free bet and higher limits was that we often saw $50 blackjack tables on the main floor empty in the sense of dealers but not players. We took a little bit of, I, I guess, unfair um, satisfaction. Look, it was. It was fun to walk through Mandalay Bay each morning and see an entire pit of 12 blackjack tables all open with dealers standing with arms folded because no one wanted to play blackjack at $50 a hand. We also noticed, and we posted this on Instagram, that even on New Year's Eve, one of the big busiest nights of the year, many of the lower limit six to five blackjack tables at New York, New York, where we were on New Year's Eve, even the lower limit six to five tables were empty. Dealer, no players. Just don't expect to ever see that on New Year's Eve based on past experiences. It was it was great to see people are rejecting the direction Las Vegas is trying to go. Maybe the market will eventually correct at least some of the blackjack tables on the strip with lower levels, lower bet limits, and, and fairer rules. That's the hope, at least for me. So with poor blackjack conditions on the strip, what did we do for fun? Well, first up, we learned to play craps as a team, which means I kind of divided how I sometimes play craps into two parts and taught Mrs. TRG more about how the game of craps worked, something neither of us would have predicted when I started this podcast. If you'd have told us when we started this podcast that our New Year's Eve trip activities would include a lot of playing craps as a team, we would have we would have bet you were wrong. Absolutely would have bet you were wrong. A meaningful sum of money. And our approach was actually pretty simple and pretty basic. We'd wait for a point to be established. Mrs. TRG would bet the six. I would bet the, the eight. If we got paid twice in any combination on those bets, we would pull the bets down, wait for a seven or for the point to be thrown, and then we'd repeat the process. Our goal from a positive point of view, our positive exit, was to win a third of a day's pay and then move on. We kind of bounced from casino to casino, from table to table when we got a positive win. And sometimes that was just a few minutes and sometimes that was an hour or so. Our negative exit condition didn't occur very often, but we would exit if we lost two thirds of a day's pay. Very conservative, not in alignment with the core concepts. I'm not telling you it works. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm still working on how to casino combat a craps table, but it was a good way to spend time and not put a lot of money at risk. And as you will hear when we discuss results, the outcomes were very, very interesting. Another, some other interesting observations, I assume I say another, but actually several interesting observations from the craps tables that, that occurred as we played over the course of our trip. The first was that one morning waiting for Mrs. TRG to get ready to go to breakfast, I did exactly what I just described, just without her help. Same process. And as I was 
getting started, another player took out a marker for $3,000 and started making a variety of $100 bets. After about 30 minutes, I, I hit that third of the day's pay positive exit amount. And, and when I colored up, the dealer seemed a little surprised that I was done so soon. And then she saw I had, a, had, had won some money and she went, oh, okay, good for you. Good for you. And I replied, yeah, I'm just trying to win 20% of my buy-in. And the other player who took out the marker said, that's smart. I'm just trying to win 10%. 10% of 3,000? That makes sense, I guess. But he was taking a lot more risk than I was, but I assumed he also had more skills than I have at this point. So maybe that all works out. I kind of wish I'd had time to stick around and, and see how that turned out, see if he won his $300. Breakfast was more important. Another fun crap story involved a couple from Mississippi that we played with at O'Shea's, at the O'Shea's Casino in the Link. It was a $10 table, and we were using our 6 and 8 approach with wagers larger than the $10 minimum, but we were not shooting. That's not part of our approach. Neither of us particularly has any dice throwing skills. So gradually the table thins out, and after both members of the other couple threw, they wanted Mrs. TRG to throw, and there's only four of us. So I explained to her that she could just bet the table minimum of $10 on the pass line, and I would handle our other bets. She threw a few numbers before she threw a seven. The other couple wanted me to throw, since otherwise they would get the dice back. So I told Mrs. TRG to handle the six and eight bets, and she had that down at that point, and I made a $10 pass line wager. Now here's the thing. I know that I can't influence the dice in any way. That's not a skill I have. That's not something I practiced and tracked. But I know how a skilled player that can manipulate the dice acts. I understand how that appears. I've seen it done by people that hold the dice for a long time. So I squared up my shoulders. I set my feet. I manipulated the dice into a, a, a dice set that's for, that for a skilled dice player often generates seven. I lined the dice up carefully with the lines on the felt, picked them up in a complicated grip, and tossed them down the table, and the result was a seven. <laughs> and it was just a random seven. So right away, the other couple's cheering. All right, okay, now we have someone who knows what they're doing. Here we go. Clearly, my act had fooled them, even if I wasn't fooling myself. I established a point. I changed my dice set to something else to keep the frick fiction going on, keep everybody thinking that I knew what I was doing, and threw several more times before finally throwing a seven. Unfortunately, and perhaps I had something to do with it, and if I did, I feel bad, the other couple had pressed their bets up as I was throwing additional numbers, and they left the table having lost everything on my seven. We'd won a few dollars, the table was empty, except for the two of us, and we moved on with a modest profit. Final interesting things from a crap's point of view that, that we experienced was a gentleman at the Circa Casino downtown taking out a marker for $150,000. That is the biggest marker I've ever seen anybody take. And we're at a $25 table, and he's making a series of don't pass and don't come bets worth tens of thousands of dollars each. And there we are, each betting $25. 25 on the six, well, 30. 30 on the six and 30 on the eight. At one point, after a seven was rolled, I counted the chips as this gentleman was getting paid on each of his bets, and it wants something like this. To my wife. That would pay off your car. Oh, that bet would pay off my car. That bet and his payout are equal to my retirement contributions for 2021. Huge, huge numbers this guy was getting paid. Tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Numbers that would change our lives in a meaningful way. All out on the table from one player more interested, honestly, in phone calls and text messages than in the results of his wagers. Now, here's the crazy part. He was there for a long time, longer than we were. In fact, we left and came back, and he was still playing. 
I never saw him have a profit. He was throwing a lot of money around and he was getting paid and he was then getting down to the last few chips in his rack and getting paid. And I, I never, maybe he eventually lost it all. Once again, kind of like to know, but I can't just spend my vacation stalking players at craps tables to find out results. This is the first time I've ever gambled at Circa. Uh, the young squire, my youngest son, and I walked through to see it when I was there with him, but we really didn't do any gambling. If the strip doesn't become more playable, I'll be spending more time at Circa and try to trying to build a relationship with this brand. Good blackjack rules, even down to the $15 tables on New Year's Day. They have $15 tables. They're still three to two. The rules are still excellent. And the tables are not cluttered up with a bunch of side bets that slow the game down. Just straight straightforward, old-school blackjack and quick drink service. I prefer, personally, my goal is always to gamble with brands that are nationwide. But if that stops working well in Vegas, either Vegas is out of my rotation or we adapt the same way that Vegas has adapted. It's got to be one or the other. And Circa could be a really, really nice option, particularly if I can get to the point where they're comping room. On the Strip, we also played a fair amount of free bet blackjack in addition to craps. It's an okay trade-off of additional house advantage but less money at risk on doubles and split. We did not always enjoy the process. We had a couple of, uh, what do I want to say here? Let me be kind. We had a couple of unique experiences playing this game at various places. Let me quickly, before I get to that, let me remind you of the rules variations for free bet blackjack versus regular blackjack. One aspect that changes is, regardless of your hand, if you have a 22, I shouldn't say it that way, if you stay in the game and don't bust, regardless of your hand, if the dealer gets 22, it's a push, not a bust for the dealer. So you can draw five cards to 21, and the dealer can draw a three-card 22, and it's a push. The other thing is, it says on the felt that the dealer will make your double wager for you on all player hands of 9, 10, or 11. The gesture for this seems to be bumping the table with a closed fist, and when you do that, the dealer puts a colored disc on the table to represent the additional bet. So you get a pair of fives, you want a double, you bump the felt, they put out the disc, they give you a card. At New York, New York, on New Year's Eve, we ran into some difficulties. A fair amount of difficulties with this game. The, the big problem I experienced was when my hand included an ace. The first time it occurred, I received an ace and an eight for a total of nine or 19. And the dealer was showing a three. Basic strategy for regular blackjack would make this a double. So I thought this would be a good double. I indicated I wanted a free double, and he said I couldn't double for free on a 19. And I said, it's a 9. And he said, no, it's a 19. So I let that go. A few second le seconds later, the same thing happened when I received an ace and a 9 for a total of 10 or 20, and the dealer had a 6 showing. Again, it seemed to me that the obvious correct play was to double, and I wanted the house to provide the money for the double. He again refused, and because he felt that the problem between us was his poor command of the English language, he called a pit boss over to talk to me. And she was a real pit boss, all right. She was she was legit, and she was uh, difficult. Difficult in a way I don't normally see pit bosses being to players. It was a very, very unpleasant conversation, even giving her the benefit of the doubt since it was New Year's Eve. My point to her was that the felt said the dealer would provide the wager to double on player hands of 9, 10, or 11. I asked her directly, 
what my hand total was. And she said it was 20. And I said, isn't it 10 or 20? And she said, yes. And I said, wouldn't the correct play on 10 versus a six be to double? And doesn't the felt say the dealer will provide the wager if I have 10? And now she was just frustrated. And she said, I had 20. I could double my 20 with my own money if I wanted. I went back over things a couple of times with her finally walking away in a huff saying, we don't play that way here. Okay, we don't play that way here? That's the interpretation. That's the explanation. I really wasn't happy with an answer of, we don't play that way here. Um, in fact, I don't play that way at all. But it seems to me the rules should explain how the game is played or the pit boss should explain within the rules why I couldn't double hands totaling 9 or 10. Here's what I think the felt should really say. The felt should really say that hands containing an ace totaling 9, 10, or 11 will not be doubled by the dealer. That's the rule that should be there. A better pit boss would have found a better explanation or some other casino solution. A comp of some type allowing me to make the play one time, something other than, huh, we don't play that way here. I'm not going to. I'm not. But I am tempted to file a complaint with the Gambling Commission in Las Vegas. Just see if the next time I'm at an MGM property, the felt has changed or the game has disappeared. Don't think I'm going to do that. Don't think it's worth my time. But it is tempting to see if I can make Vegas move, if you will. The other thing we experienced playing this game was dealers aggressively telling us how to play. Dealers always wanted a player to double all hands totaling 9, 10, or 11. Mrs. TRG was, understandably to me, not crazy about doubling a 9 against a dealer's 10 and would refuse the double, and she would get argued with by the dealer. She actually had a dealer say to her, you don't understand how to play this game. You're not playing it right. In 30 plus years, I've never heard that said that way to a player at a standard blackjack table. Players do things like standing on a hard 17 against a dealer's 10 all the time. And a dealer might say, are you sure the book recommends a hit? Or is that what you want to do? That is a book hit. Are you sure you don't want a card? And then often with the addition of, but it's your money. It's up to you. Do what you want. I've never had a dealer say in a somewhat angry voice, you don't understand how to play the game. The frustrating part was that we discovered on our very last day at our very last blackjack table that we didn't fully understand how to play the game. See, in regular blackjack, if you double, you double and you get one card. A dealer at Resorts World explained that if you doubled a hand using the house's wager and then didn't like the first card you received, you could undo the double and play the hand as a normal hand. So we didn't understand the game, but no one educated us. No one did what a standard blackjack dealer would do and say, the book says. So here's an example. If you double a 9 against a dealer's 10 and then receive a 2 for a total of 11, you can undo the double and take another card. And that's the kind of situation Mrs. TRG was trying to avoid. The first dealer was correct. We did not know how to play the game. But a moment of education would have created a better impression, a better experience, as opposed to the angry lecture my wife received. I also want to talk about a couple of very fun entertainment things we did on our trip that I, that I want to recommend, that I want to highlight and point out. We went to a, a place called Area 15, which is a big, trippy warehouse entertainment complex, bars, restaurants, lots of art. It, look, it's weird. It's fun. It's certainly worth 
checking out, but we also then did something called the Lost Spirits Distillery Tour. And I'm not sure if the people entering were the Lost Spirits or if the Lost Spirits were the beverages consumed. The tour's in another large warehouse divided into various themed tasting rooms with characters that introduce and explain the various beverages that are being poured. The best description I can give you of this place is think Alice in Wonderland with booze, a scientific distillery tour, magic, and a burlesque show. That's a strange but accurate description of the experience. The Lost Spirits Tour is highly recommended for a unique Las Vegas experience. A great bit of entertainment, and we did that in place of a show on our first day. Cost about as much as a show, spent several hours there, more time than we'd have spent with a show, and, and got a nice little glow going from a, a variety of beverages that they provided us. We also went to see Terry Fader perform on New Year's Eve. He's a ventriloquist with puppets, very, very skilled, and I wanted to highlight this for a couple of reasons, both a positive and a negative reason, actually. First, from a positive point of view, the performance was a special holiday show, not the standard show he would normally do in Las Vegas if you were there on a, a Friday in June. So it's a very, very unique experience, and and we remarked on this because several years ago on New Year's Eve, we enjoyed a holiday-themed show put on by Piff the Magic Dragon called A Merry Piffmas. If you're ever in Las Vegas over the holidays, prioritize seeing some of these standard strip shows because you will see a performance that only happens at that time of year and only for a few weeks. The other reason I wanted to discuss this show was that I booked tickets for New Year's Eve forgetting one of my own rules regarding New Year's Eve in Las Vegas, and that rule is don't leave the casino you're staying at after 4 p.m. Look, Mrs. TRG and I had a wonderful New Year's Eve. Early in the afternoon, we made our way from Mandalay Bay through the Luxor and Excalibur over to the Tropicana and did a little gambling at the Tropicana to get some My Choice points and then went to celebrity chef Michael Irvin's restaurant at the Tropicana for an early dinner. And we that was comped because we used some of that free, tax-free imaginary money we are always earning at our home casino, Casino 2, which is always a My Choice property. And we then did some gambling at New York, New York before and after the show. Some of that free bet blackjack I was telling you about. It was only as we were leaving to go back to our hotel to watch the fireworks at midnight that I realized I'd forgotten my own rules. You see, Las Vegas has a variety of rules and laws that only apply on New Year's Eve. For instance, it's illegal to sell or serve anything in a glass or a glass container on New Year's Eve, and that extends into part of New Year's Day. In addition, the entire strip becomes pedestrian only, with barricades keeping cars and people separated at each intersection. The various elevators, escalators, walkways, and tram systems that make moving about the strip very easy are all shut down. Taxis don't really operate from casino to casino on the strip since many of the taxi stands have entrances and exits from the strip and they aren't allowed to go there because their cars and the street is full of people there to watch the fireworks. The only way for us to get from New York, New York to our hotel, the Mandalay Bay, was to walk and to walk out of our way to get past various barricades. So where you would normally go up a walkway and cross the street, you had to instead go down maybe 
10, 15, 20 yards past a bunch of barricades, garbage trucks, city vehicles turn sideways to block traffic, then cross the street, then recover that territory and go, you know, back about the process of, of walking down the strip. I just forgot. I just flat out forgot and planned incorrectly. We could have very easily done Terry Fader on a different day and, and been at Mandalay Bay after four o'clock and avoided all that. So a pointer, hopefully that saves someone a bit of complexity at some point. The good news is we managed to buy some beverages in plastic bottles and return to our room just in time to toast the new year and enjoy the fireworks. I highly recommend New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. This was our fourth visit and every one of them has been unique and memorable. And if you're looking for a place to spend to spend New Year's Eve, that's that's my go-to spot now. I would do that before I would do Memphis or New York City, hands down. A few quick notes from New Year's Day. First, technique, right? We persuaded Mandalay Bay to comp us one more night because we had a red-eye flight out. We weren't going to spend the night, but we didn't have to leave the property until around 8.30 p.m. So instead of packing and being dressed for the day and for the flight and for sleeping on the plane and handing our bags off to a bell desk, we were able to leave our bags in the room, dress for being out and about in Las Vegas, enjoy the day, then return to our room, have a couple of drinks to get ready for the flight, change into clothes we wanted to fly in, pack up our last few things. It was a great way to use room comps from our point of view. It really made that last day a lot more leisurely, a lot more fun, a lot more relaxed. We also made sure we talked with the casino host as we were getting ready to leave, and we had all of our food and beverages that we had purchased and comped, I shouldn't say comped, we had all of our food and beverage purchases which we had charged to the room comped back to us using, what else, free tax-free imaginary money. We used New Year's Day to gamble downtown, and we did that to do all the things we couldn't do easily on the strip and to allow Mrs. TRG to see Circa which is new, and she's not seen it. And we also hit a few other casinos downtown, including the Four Queens. So, good chance for her to see something new and for us to do gambling in an environment that's much more like what, what we're used to doing. I've said often that I don't know everything about gambling. I just plan to learn everything I don't know. Well, I recently learned something that I wish I had known years ago. It seems that a slot machine called Silver Strike used to be fairly common all over Las Vegas. These are old-time slot machines that take two or three 25-cent coins. You have to play three if you want to get the bonus, and the bonus is that when you line up a silver strike symbol on the center line, the machine pays you a silver coin that is worth $10 at the cage. As I understand it, the coins are unique to each casino and the designs are changed fairly regularly. So these are collectible in a variety of ways. Based on my research on the internet, after hearing about these collectible coins, there are only two casinos that currently still have these machines on the floor. The Four Queens is supposed to have two, although we only found one. And the plaza in downtown is supposed to still have one as well. We did not get down there to look. I've been told that a $20 deposit often generated, on average, two of these coins. It did not for Mrs. TRG. She lost her $20, but with my $20, I won a few dollars and took home two different Silver Strike tokens. The ones I found online on eBay are selling for two or three times face value, so I'm glad I took the time to pick them up and bring them home and put them in my collection. As long as the Four Queens still has these machines, 
and I'm in town, I'll be picking up a few more of these big silver gaming tokens every time I'm in town and building a collection. The other thing we did on New Year's Day was to visit the new casino on the Strip, Resorts World. Neither of us had ever been there. I had waited to go till I could go with my wife. The wonderful thing about the Las Vegas Strip, and Las Vegas in general for that matter, is that most people find their comfort zone. You know, if you're not a Bellagio person, maybe you're a Luxor person. Maybe you're maybe you're a Sahara person. You know, you tend to find where you're comfortable. Resorts World is probably not going to be a place where I feel comfortable. It's large, it's beautiful, it's clearly aimed at guests other than Mrs. TRG and myself. An excellent example of that. Mrs. TRG wanted to get some food. We wandered the food court and just walking through twice, down and back, we were not sure what type of food any of the outlets served. Other than one place served some type of Korean barbecue because it was called Texian, Texorian barbecue. So we figured that one out. Everything else, based on the names, we didn't know what they sold. It was very much like being in a foreign country. And maybe that's what Resorts World was going for. Good on them. So we spotted a sports bar that was nearly empty and we took a look at the menu and it all made sense. And we went inside to get a table, as I said, almost empty. And there was a sign on the table that said, there was a $50 per person minimum. And look, this would have been fine. If we were planning to have a couple of cocktails each, plus an appetizer and a couple of entrees, we'd have gotten to 50 bucks a person. But we were not looking to spend $100. We were just looking for a sandwich and a soda. So that didn't work for us. We knew we weren't going to spend $50 a person. We were not looking, as I said, for a $100 meal. We then spotted a gourmet grilled cheese and hot dog venue set up to look like a food truck. Sounded like a perfect fit. Right? Grilled cheese, hot dogs, simple, easy. But as I said, it was gourmet. Everything was gourmet. And maybe pineapple and avocado taste great on a hot dog, but we decided not to find out. Once again, just not our place, not our space. If you are a pineapple and avocado on your hot dog person, good on you. Excellent. Send me a note. Tell me how it tastes. But we struggled to find a place to eat. (laughs) Of all things, in this huge property, we struggled to find a place just to grab a quick bit of food. We ended up returning to our end of the strip and eating at an excellent little deli at the Luxor. Maybe the Luxor is our comfort zone. Final thought on Resorts World. The electronic table games setup was not as horrible as as descriptions had led me to believe, or maybe they've modified it a little bit. I had been led to believe that you had to set up an electronic wallet, deposit money from a bank account, and then use that electronic wallet to play at uh, at a free bet blackjack game or a craps game or that. That's not the way it currently works. You could buy into a table with cash. You didn't have to use that digital wallet. You could color up in chips if you wanted to or be given a slip. They could print a slip right on the table like the ones that get printed out of a slot machine when you cash out at a slot machine. And the slips could be converted to cash at a kiosk just like a slot machine slip or they could be taken to the cage or they could be used in a slot machine, or they could be given to a dealer at a table game, and that would be scanned and converted to chips. In that regard, the the table game setup was really just an extension of what is already done with slot machines, video poker, and the various lower stakes electronic arena gambling areas that many casinos have installed. Not that big a deal. That's our Las Vegas week. A moment of casino wisdom is next, hopefully without any technical difficulty. For our moment of casino wisdom today, I have a new casino wisdom for you. Casino wisdom 2. And it goes like this. In all casino situations, the bankroll comes first. Now, casino wisdom number 99, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your gambling, 
is assigned the number 99 because it is the most important of the Casino Wisdoms. Today's Casino Wisdom is assigned position 2 in the Casino Combat Book of Casino Wisdom because it is the second most important of the Casino Wisdoms. It is a foundational Casino Wisdom. A Casino Wisdom so obvious that I failed to introduce it until this point. In fact, let me tell you how this wisdom officially came about and in the process give credit where credit is due. The young squire and I got in a lengthy discussion about a theory of winning just one unit each day and leaving the casino. We really have no idea if that will work or not. I'm gathering data on 100 tables to get a sense of how workable that approach actually is. As we evolved this idea, as we were having the discussion, as we were talking through various things that could happen in which a player using this theoretical strategy loses seven units two days in a row, that would be the negative exit. The positive exit would be winning one unit. So in theory, they lose seven units two days in a row using TRG Wagering System 2, always be grinded. And the young squire says, so then when you have a one unit win the third day, you have to remember that the bankroll always comes first. Which casino wisdom is that, dad? I forget. <laughs> I was a bit embarrassed to admit that it actually was not a casino wisdom. But at the time, I made a note that I had overlooked something obvious to me that might not be obvious to others. And I'm correcting that today. I'm correcting that right now. I actually intended to correct it last week, but we had a technical problem. Casino wisdoms combine a knowledge of how casinos work and an action to be taken based on that knowledge or information. The knowledge or information here is something some gamblers learn from a book and something other gamblers learn from the school of hard knocks. If you have no bankroll, if you bet and lose that last dollar or spend that last bit of your bankroll on something else, you're done. You're just done. You are no longer a gambler. You are a tourist. You're a, a dude or dudette hanging out in a casino, which is fine. Being a tourist is fun. Being a dude or dudette hanging out in a casino is fun. And if you gamble for fun or for entertainment, it's probably not that big a deal as long as you have enough gas to get home or a plane ticket and a way to get to the airport it's not really necessarily a huge deal that you gambled away the last of your bankroll. But if you gamble for profit, if your goal is similar to mine, live a significant portion of your life in casinos, mostly for free, and make some money every month, not having a bankroll means you are done trying to accomplish this goal. At least you're done until you get like a pizza delivery job or a DoorDash account set up and earn a new bankroll. The young squire was thinking about the young squire was thinking about this wisdom from the point of view of wins following a loss. He was expressing the idea that after a losing table or two, when you have a win, the most important priority is making sure the bankroll is back where you need it to be before you do anything else with that money. That is extremely important, and I apologize for getting over a year into this thing and not stating it directly. If you lose $70 and then win $80 the next day or at the next table, you do not have an $80 win, and I assume that was obvious, but maybe it's not. You do not have an $80 win you have a $10 win. The bankroll always comes first. If you lose $70 and then lose $70 again and then win $100, you should not spend any part of that win. That is not a win. The bankroll always comes first and the bankroll is still short $40. 
In my case, I take this a little bit further. If I lose 70 at the first table and then win 100 at the next table, if at that point I'm leaving the casino, the bankroll comes first and the lost $70 needs to be replaced. And then honestly, the bankroll comes second and the extra $30 is gonna e go either in the physical safe or the cloud safe to offset potential future losses. So for me, bankroll comes first and then future bankroll needs come second in situations like that. I also want to point out that the way this wisdom is framed is very important. This wisdom does not say the bankroll comes first. It starts with the prelude in all casino situations, and that's there for a reason. Suppose you're in Las Vegas or Atlantic City. You're having a rough day of things. Your bankroll is getting a bit small, maybe just enough for another table or two. And you see a sign for a show that's getting ready to start. If you need to pay for the tickets to the show, with money from your bankroll, the bankroll comes first. Find entertainment that is less expensive or free. There is plenty of free or cheap entertainment in Las Vegas, in Atlantic City, and in most casinos. Do something that does not further drain your bankroll. The bankroll comes first. Gambling is a wonderful pastime, and one that has on many occasions generated opportunities for Mrs. TRG and I to do things that we would not normally spend money on. And that opportunity came either from a comp or because we generated a profit from gambling that allowed us to spend a bit more recklessly than we normally do. We love when that happened, but that's only possible if in other casino situations we put the bankroll first. In fact, um, <laughs> it's a week later. Jumping a bit off plan here uh, and kind of thinking out loud, which I'm not supposed to do, but what the heck, the bankroll comes first so much to us that the bankroll is generally money separate from our spending money. Not 100%, not all the time. I'm not saying I don't ever do something outside outside what would be considered gambling and, and use gambling money for it, but it's small, it's minor, and it's done knowingly and knowing that I'm going to fix it the next time I'm at a safe or an ATM. We don't spend money that we've won and we don't spend money out of the bankroll until we declare a win and take some of the money out of the bankroll and now we're in casino wisdom mode again and we're making small choices with a win. It's no longer about that money being in the bankroll. That money's been declared a win. It's been moved out. The bankroll is intact. So there you go. Perhaps the most obvious of the casino wisdoms has finally been introduced. A wrong has been righted, a mistake has been made right, an apology has been extended. But if it was not obvious to just one listener, if just one person, any time in the existence of this voice recording, learns from this wisdom, then this was time very well spent, and thank you for listening to this part of this episode of the podcast. All right, all right, all right. The month ended while we were in Las Vegas. Let's do a results segment and talk about how things went for the month of December. Given how much of last week's gambling was done in Las Vegas and the total amount of gambling we've done this past month, I want to just kind of pull all the various results out of the travel experience and, and, and just focus on that aspect of things for a few minutes today in its own segment. Just look at the results for the week and the month, separate from my observations about Las Vegas and the things I recommended and the things we did, all of that kind of stuff. In terms of the results specifically for the week, I didn't do much local gambling, and we left Las Vegas with more money than we arrived with, even with various expenses we incurred as part of the trip. 
And I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm not trying to downplay that. I could spend a lot of time telling you how great we did, how much money we won, blah, blah, blah. But going to Las Vegas and returning with a profit after expenses is an accomplishment. I just thought the table-by-table results wouldn't make for interesting listening. Just going to wrap that all up in the results. Leave it at that. We won money in Las Vegas. We won money more than we spent. It was a successful trip. We've had a good month. That said, that out of the way, I've done that. You know, last week we won money after expenses. I want to turn now to our results for the month. Regardless of what segment name I use to discuss results, the ground rules remain the same. I regard accurate results as something you share with friends and family. I regard sharing accurate results with all of my listeners as essential to building trust. If you don't hear my results, why would you try to use what I teach and risk your own money? That just doesn't seem smart to me. And I think you're all smart people if you're listening to this podcast and you need to hear what my results are. Next important point. I am not bragging. I am not boasting when I do these monthly recaps. I mean, first of all, bragging about wins is considered by many experts to be a sign of a gambling problem. So I'm certainly not gambling or bragging. (laughs) But more importantly, the level at which Mrs. TRG and I are gambling is very modest for most of the places we go. We are not high rollers. We are not big players. Often my bet is the smallest bet on the table. What we are doing is not impressive in terms of what we're getting compared to a variety of other gamblers. Trust me, the guy taking a marker for $150,000 at Circa and gambling tens of thousand dollars a throw gets much more impressive comps and gifts than we get. He's getting the nicest of nice rooms. He's getting any meals he wants. All of that is on the house. We're hustling for comps, we're hustling for gifts, and we're trying to make sure we win consistent. Our goal is to gamble at a level that we think many, not all, but many people could accomplish and share the results that are possible with that level of gambling. The other reason that I do these recaps is to model what I think is good gambling technique for all of you. And I didn't know that when I started doing the podcast. I didn't know how important these reviews were going to be to me, to my results, to my understanding of what's going on. Since I started doing these recaps at the end of each month, I am consistently impressed with how much value I get out of the time spent sitting down and breaking out these numbers and doing these summaries and reviewing the spreadsheet and seeing everything for the month. The feedback is excellent and the perspective is invaluable. I will say again, if you are not taking time at the end of every month to really summarize your results, I think you're missing a chance to improve. With that out of the way, without the the disclaimer, the little sermon and all of that, with that out of the way, let's get started with the results for December 2021. And this is dates changed to protect the innocent and the guilty version of that. Since I'm going to include the first day of January in these results, I looked at it. It doesn't really change the numbers in any meaningful way. We didn't win or lose enough on 1-1-22 to really change the results, to really make it look markedly different. Yeah, a decimal point here and a decimal point there. I just don't feel like reminding you in a month, oh, hey, and don't forget, this includes one day, the first day of January. We're just going to dis- pretend that that was December 32nd and, and move forward from a casino combat point of view. As always, all results are converted to the if I earned $1 a day standard. If you want to understand how these dollar amounts would impact your life, figure out how much you earn in a day and multiply the numbers that I'm going to give you 
by that number, positive or negative. So if I say we spent $1.43, multiply 1.43 by the amount of money you earn a day, and that will put the numbers in perspective for you. We need to be aware that it doesn't matter if you're a $10,000 gambler or a $10 gambler, I assume that those things are proportional to your resources. And if they're proportional to your resources, then just pretend that I don't do very well financially, that I only earn a dollar a day, and I've converted all these numbers that way for you. So if you're a $10 gambler, you should have a point of reference. And if you're $10,000 a hand gambler, you should have a point of reference. Here we go. We recorded 242 casino transactions during the month of December. That's everything from tipping a waitress for a water to the comp packages we received from the resorts we stayed at. We actually didn't record a large number of hotel nights, despite the holiday trip. We were comped eight nights of hotel during the month and gambled at 23 different casinos in four different states. We played 35 winning blackjack tables and free bet blackjack tables, to be as clear and transparent as possible, and 44 losing blackjack and free, black, free bet blackjack tables. In total, we won, at table games, $4.92 if I earned a dollar a day. We had a large number of wins. Now, nah, that's not really the right way to say that. That's what it says here, but that's not really the right way to say that. We had a number of larger wins, and we kept our losses very, very low. That's really what happened. We can take losses at more tables than we had wins because we often won two or three days pay when a table went well and lost more like two thirds of a day's pay when a table went poorly. That dollar amount also includes 15 winning and 10 losing crafts tables. And I knew this was gonna be interesting when I introduced this part at the beginning. It's so fascinating that when I actually cracked the numbers at the end of the month, the total cash impact from crafts play on our amount won is zero dollars. We won and lost exactly the same amount. Craps created nothing financially. That's amazing. We played winning tables and losing tables and didn't win or lose anything in cash at the end. And now I'm gonna tell you that is excellent. It won't happen every month, but I would be thrilled if it did. Think about it bigger picture. Craps play generates a lot of tier credits. Tier credits, tier credits generate benefits. Lots of tier credits earned, lots of times at a craps table, which is a higher risk game than blackjack, is gonna generate bigger free bets and match bets and other freebies along the way. It became a game this month that Mrs. TRG and I could play together in a casino and just hang out and have drinks and have fun and be in the casino. And if we can do that and earn tier points, benefits, and future comps, we'd take that every month. That's an excellent addition to what we do. Slot machines, what happened there? We played with cash, with our money, a total of 21 winning and 18 losing slot machines. All the way until the very last day, which I stretched by one more day, I was chasing a winning month. It was very small loss all the way, and it just ended up just a little out of my grasp. Mrs. TRG did not have as much success with slot machines this month as I did. In total, as a couple, we lost 79 cents playing slots with our own money. Not good, not great. We received $1.92 in free slot play, however, and won $1.68 playing that free slot play using TRG slot strategy number one. So in about, so above average results in that area again this month. We won a lot more from free slot play 
than I expect to win on average. I expect to win about 50% of what we're given, and maybe my expectations are wrong because this is a couple months in a row where we've exceeded that. We had a winning month. This is very important. We had a winning month playing slots when you combined the two slot strategies, when you look at the whole thing. Yes, we lost some money with TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, with our own money, but we won more than double that amount with free slot play. Free slot play that we were given for past slot play with cash. Slot machines played with cash each month generate many months of free slot play at the casinos we visit repetitively. I'm fine with losing some money from strategy two while generating free slot play that wins more money than that for many months to come. That's a part of the core concepts. That's being focused on winning the month, not the table or the machine or the day, or frankly, even the strategy. I got lots of strategies as you're seeing now. I don't care which one gets us to a win or which combination. It doesn't matter to me, right? What matters is winning the month in some way. Our total cash profit from gambling for the month was $5.81 on the earn a dollar a day scale. And we had expenses of $2.67, leaving us a profit cash profit after expenses of $3.15. It's a winning month. We won money. Everything after this is just bonus because we won cash. As for the rest of it, all that bonus stuff, we received $8.54 in comps. $8.54 in comps. One cent in match bets. Match bets were really off and that's just a reflection of where we were gambling. We were gambling in casinos that gave out free bets and free slot play, not in casinos that gave out match bets. We also won 45 cents, not one, received 45 cents in free bets from various casinos. We received 75 cents in gifts, including watches, handbags, and various gift cards. Those numbers are a little down from previous months because we were away from our primary casinos for a large portion of the month. So what does that mean? Comps were up, because we took advantage of, of, of big hotel stays from national brands, big places, and we weren't going to the places we always go, so we didn't pick up as many match bets as we usually do. We didn't pick up as many free bets. There's certainly a gift or two we just couldn't get because we were on the wrong side of the continent. Take it all together. All that we won, all that we were given, all that we lost, all that we spent, and in addition to the cash profit for the month, the total value of gambling added to our lives in the month of December 2021 is $15.10 if I earned a dollar. That's three winning months in a row in cash. Then the goodies added on top of that. It was a nice run to end 2021 and we had a blast during the holidays. And like we always do, the spreadsheet's now closed. The app is reset to zero. And we start out tomorrow doing it all again and hoping to get similar results, even if they're not guaranteed by past performances. Okay, enough about us. Other members of the squad have interesting holiday casino stories to share as well. And that's what we're going to do here next in the Virtual VIP Lounge. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, the most must-listen-to moment in gambling podcast each and every episode, guaranteed. It's still the holidays, 
The sleigh is still set up in the corner of the VIP lounge. Plenty of virtual goodies in there. The Christmas decorations are still up. We've added some Happy New Year's banners. We managed to get one last keg of Christmas ale from the local brewery. It's a small one, but I got enough virtual Christmas ale for everybody to have one. Help yourself to some type of beverage if you can. Join me in something for real. Inner Circle member Virginia Casino player Doug is here today to share details about his holiday casino visit with us. And as you will hear, I had a few sips while he and I had our conversation. All right, everybody. Well, the uh, the, the, the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge is truly vertical. Um, I'm at my home casino. I just checked in. I actually just uh, poured a little Maker's Mark. And joining me in the Virtual VIP Lounge is Inner Circle member Virginia Casino player Doug. And so even though we're not physically together, we all are virtually together. So VCPD, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Happy New Year. It's great to talk to you. Excellent. Excellent. So we were emailing back and forth a little bit uh, during the holiday break, and I, I know you went to Philly to see some family, and you were telling me about a, a casino trip that you took uh, out of out of family time and found some room for, and I I uh, I was and this may sound silly at some point, but I was impressed enough with it that I was like, wow! Instead of me telling this story, let's let him come on and tell his story. Uh, so very much, if we were sitting over a drink, I'd love to hear about your trip to Philly. Well, great! Yeah, we went up uh, the week before Christmas. Uh, my wife and two sons. It was a combination of Christmas present, birthday present. My 25th anniversary, so the main part of it was going to be family time. Here in uh, my area, uh, the casinos are going to be opening in about a year, and my local casino is going to be the Rivers Casino. I knew they had one in Philadelphia, so I was hoping to get a chance to check it out, uh, at least get a rewards card and start in their system and kind of follow what's going on with them. We were there uh, Saturday through Wednesday, and as it Turned out, the really only times I could get away uh, to the casino would have been Saturday night or Monday night, everything else we had uh, plans for. I decided to go on Monday night, figuring that would be my best shot at some lower uh, table wagers. Right. And so I headed over there Monday night, and it turns out I was wrong, or at least Saturday night might have been worse. Uh, most of the uh, tables were 15 and up. I was hoping to maybe find some electronic games that had lower wagers. I had not brought a big uh, bankroll with me because most of the money was going towards the trip. Right. And as I walked around and looked, I really, really wanted to play. I mean, I really, it's been six months since I've been to a casino. I was really excited to be there. I wanted to check it out. And more than once, I was walking up to the table and I had to stop and just remember you know, what, uh, what I've learned from the podcast, I just didn't have the bankroll to cover the wagers for these tables. I didn't have, I wasn't prepared to sit down and play $25 a hand. So I just, I got my free play from the card and walked around and tried a few slot machines with that and then just cruised around the casino a little bit and finally had to walk out. I just couldn't uh, sit down at the table. At play because I just didn't have the, the bankroll. Well, and I, I realize that maybe to some people, and maybe to some people who are just listening, that doesn't sound like a quote successful casino trip. 
But and, and I'm not trying to be patronizing. I, I mean this completely as a compliment. You have mastered one of the most difficult casino skills. There are not. It a was lot of difficult. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, and I'm partially sure because I just walked around Las Vegas seeing $50 table limits and wanting to play and have my having my wife tell me there was no way that that we were playing. Um, and so I I kind of get how hard it is, but there's just there are not a lot of people that can do that. That is the sign of a, an incredibly incredibly skilled gambler to have carved time out of a family trip to have gone to the casino and then to go, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not funded right for this. So many people would have convinced themselves, well, I'm not funded right for it, but I can make it work and I'll, I'll make something happen. And it's not that good things never happen, but usually they don't happen. Usually underfunded means quickly up. So I just, it, it was that piece. It was that, wow, that you had. Well, that's why I, I just appreciate the podcast so much because I, I don't even know. I've only taken a couple of casino trips since I started listening to you, but you've, you've saved me a ton of money. <laughs> well, you've been in, you've been an incredibly uh, focused uh, student, and and just to remind people, maybe um, you were one of the first people to go out and and do the things I talked about in early episodes and then get back with me and, and report that things worked well for you in a, in a similar fashion. You know, you've been a, a, a tremendous contributor to all of this. Uh, you know, you, you verified a lot of it. Um, and, you know, that, that just, that's why I wanted to have you on. Because, A, the contributions you've made in, in, I mean, to vocabulary, to verification, and then the idea that, that you know, you could do something that not many people can do. And, and, um, I wanted people out there to hear it and hear it from you, not from me, to know it's not, to know you're not a character I just made up, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that could be out there in somebody's head that, you know, that you're just uh, a, a fiction I created to, to prove that I'm right. And, and the very fact that you could do that, could walk into a casino, um, see that the limits weren't where they needed to be for the money you had available to you, and 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 turn around and walk back out and be a good gambler at that level. Just that 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 very much uh, impressed me. And I think I don't know the the rivers in Philly. And in fact, I've only been to the rivers in uh, uh, boy, what's that other city? I think there's a river in rivers in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was there maybe ten, fifteen years ago. I think something like that. So I really don't know much of anything about it, but I know that brand is expanding and growing. I suspect that a Tuesday morning at um, 8 a.m. during a work week, not a holiday week, that you might have found what you were looking for. I suspect yeah. that the holiday week and in the evenings maybe drove maybe drove those numbers north a little bit without having any direct <laughs> relevant experience. Um, but I do think it's cool that, uh, that, that that's the brand that's going to open up near you. You, you told me a little while back, you thought you might get a temporary one. Do you think that's going to happen? Have you heard any more about that? I haven't heard more about the rivers. I know hard rock is planning on opening a temporary casino, but they're way on the other end of Virginia for me. Uh, everyone's going to get their, 
well, the licensing is going to finish approval in uh, April. So the casinos are supposed to announce their opening dates and what they're planning on doing once the licensing is all approved and whatever that process is, is completed. Right. Well, then they've got to get all their dealers approved, and that always takes, I mean, behind yeah. the scenes, you, we don't see it as players, but that takes a lot of a lot of person hours to uh, to get all those dealers reviewed and licensed and everything. But uh, that's exciting. Well done. I... Uh, <laughs> You, you have to be a really good gambler to appreciate what it takes to, to be so good that you don't gamble. You know, it, <laughs> that, that, that's but really true. I, I, with having the local casino here, I, I really want to take advantage of it. I want to start building in the reward system and taking advantage of some of the perks they give away. And I know I'm going to have to be disciplined to not just run out of money right away. I want to be able to stay in the process as long as possible. Right. Well, ideally, we want to be able to stay in the pro- process uh, infinitely. That's that's the Absolutely. goal. At least <laughs> at least as long as uh, as as long as we uh, as long as we want to. Excellent. Thanks again to VCPD for taking time to have that conversation with me. As I said, it really was a virtual VIP lounge. He and I were in different states, but the conversation would have been similar if we had just run into each other at a casino bar somewhere and and had that conversation. And I wanted to bring that to you, and I wanted you to hear it in his words, and I said it while we were talking. One of my maybe proudest moments as a gambler is the idea that someone learned from me the very difficult skill of walking into a casino seeing the limits weren't what you hoped, and walking back out. That, I'm not done with this, I'm not wrapping it up, but that is very much mission accomplished for what I set out to do with this. And I thought that was very impressive, and I really want you to hear that all from him, and and I'll say it again as I just did. Very, very impressive, and I'm very, very humbled and happy that I was able to teach somebody that, and very impressed that he he was able to execute on that. That is as important as having a positive or a negative exit happen, as doing any of these other things. That is an amazing skill set to have mastered. All right, tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. Remember your casino wisdoms, please. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening.